just aware of how blessed we are to have Aaron and Brandon and, and others uh, lead us. And I think we should just say thank you. We do this once in a while, but let's do that again. You know, um, as your pastor, I think lots of things about you, <laughs> corporately and I suppose individually as well. And one of the questions that I've been asking myself lately um, is how many people at IPC, and by that I mean, I mean individual folks who make the corp up, up the corporate whole, how many people at IPC are hungry for more of God? And that's a significant question. I mean, what's the proportion? You know, 80% say, God, I want more of you, and 20%, eh, you know, I like what I have, I'm content. You know, how many people here who are part of this body of believers long for a daily experience for the presence and the power of God? How many of us here want to know the reality of God as he moves in our lives by his spirit in significant ways? How many people want not just a belief about the reality of God, but an ongoing dynamic experience of God? Now answer that question for yourself, will you? Because I think it's a really significant question. You know, one of the things that I have, um, I've spoken to you about before, and I want to bring it up right now again, is, is the reality of a mere religiosity. You know what I mean by that? Uh, the word religious brings a lot of baggage to us in this culture today. But, but the idea that there will be people, and Jesus spoke to them and against them forcefully, which makes me want to bring it often to this congregation, because there's a real danger in religiosity. People who will go through the religious motions but not know the reality and the power and the presence of God in their lives. And like Jesus warned people, I don't know, I'm not saying you are that or, or even our church is like that, but I'm just saying we got to be incredibly aware of and careful about that one. Oh, I go to church on a Sunday morning. Yes, that's, that's real. Oh, I'm big into Christian morality and I live my life really quite well, thank you very much. I might read my Bible every day. I'm a, I'm a good religious person. But without the reality of an encounter with God in your life in an ongoing fashion. You see, we are called to experience the Lord in beautiful and wonderful and, yes, powerful ways. We are called to be a people who encounter God in relationship and in answer prayer and in so many other ways. And I stand before you today and I say, are you one of those people who are hungry for more of God? And if you're not, I would ask you to consider the possibility even this morning as I speak. You know, when I came uh, back from my first couple of weeks of holidays, um, I spoke on prayer. Some of you might have been here. Obviously, not everyone was. <clears throat> but I basically said that we can, and I'm quoting Jesus here from Mark, we can believe that we have received something because we've asked it in prayer, actually before we receive it. And, and, I, and I spent that Sunday morning talking about this dynamic reality of prayer where we can ask God to move, believe in our heart of hearts that he's going to give it so that he then moves in power in our experience and answered prayer. I, I, I described to you the, the dynamic that unfolds in the life of a, of a believer. God, God essentially has made this arrangement, I called it, where he will accomplish his purposes by using us. You see, God doesn't need us to pray for something in order to give it. He could snap his fingers and anything he wanted to happen would happen. But God has created this arrangement whereby we ask and then he acts. He calls us into partnership with him. He invites us 
to be part of what he is doing in this world. And what I said then, there are times we don't have things because we don't ask. That's almost a direct quote from James, right? You do not have because you do not ask. We don't engage the partnership. We don't ask God for what he wants done and therefore it doesn't happen. And we don't encounter the reality of the power and the presence of God moving within us. I'm telling you, my friends, when we figure this one out, when we get to that place which Jesus calls us to, where we actually believe that we've received something before we receive it, and God moves, it's like, whoa, <laughs> look what God just did. And we experience the presence and the reality and the power of God. That's a moving experience. That's a dynamic experience of the reality of the Lord. And a little phrase I gave you then, you know, if you'll remember, it's, it's like, and I use this now when I pray, this, this phrase, God speaking to me, you ask and I will do. That's his promise to us. You ask and I will do. And the more we ask and the more he does, and the more we ask and the more he does, the more we start to believe with conviction that we've received something before we've got, we, we get it because we know that that's the way God has so arranged things and that's what God is eager to do in and through us. Are you living with that reality? Have you practiced that over the last two weeks so that we go beyond maybe your religios religiosity into an actual experience of God? Well, I have another dynamic that I want to speak to this morning where we can experience God in real significant ways, ways that will satisfy our hunger for more of God. And I want to talk this morning uh, again about God, how, how God has chosen to arrange things in a different way this time. Again, he could do whatever he chooses to do, and he doesn't need us to participate, but he has arranged a partnership in order to get things done that we can step into if we choose. You see, God being God, he could save people like that. He could, he could heal people. He could encourage or people. He could communicate his truth to people anytime he wants. He doesn't require us to be involved in any kind of process, but God has so organized things that he invites his people to get involved in what he wishes to do in the lives of others. He has enabled us in specific ways to serve so that when we use what the Bible calls spiritual gifts, God shows up in power. God invites us into this partnership where he enables us to do particular things to serve in particular ways. And when we step into those ways of serving, very literally the Spirit of God moves in and through us and other people encounter the reality of God in the ways that he wants them to. And we experience the reality of being used by God's Spirit in ways that are just remarkable. And God accomplishes what God wishes to accomplish in this world. And I want to read to you the primary passage about this arrangement about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 11 says this. Now about gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Stop there. Anybody uninformed about your spiritual gifts or unaware of the fact of them and how incredibly they import, important they are in terms of God getting things done in this world? I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And then this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, 
But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God. Listen to this. It is the same God who is at work when we exercise them, if you would. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given, note this, I'll come back to it, for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To, an to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And, still, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these things... All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit as he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, my friends, note the focus on the work of the Spirit. He gives them and he brings them to life. He makes them effective. He empowers people to use their spiritual gifts so that God moves in this world in ways that are significant and powerful and life-changing. It's an incredibly important thing. So, for example, using some of these things, if God wants to give someone wisdom, he doesn't just sort of plop wisdom into their minds. He used someone with the gift of wisdom to speak, you know, the truth and application to life, to give guidance, to give thoughtful uh, consideration to a circumstance. And as that person who has the gift of wisdom speaks, so the person who is needing the wisdom receives the wisdom. But it's not just from the mouth of a human being. It is the Spirit of God at work in that person, and it is God working through the person, sorry, so that that person in the end knows the wisdom that God has for them. That person knows the presence and the power of God. The person speaking the wisdom knows the presence and the power of God. God works as God chooses to work. You know, the gift of, the gift of teaching. You know, the idea that, that God wants people to know biblical truth. He wants to know the reality of what is as defined by God. I need to say that in this culture. And what God does very simply is not just kind of landed in people's minds somehow. He uses someone with the gift of teaching to teach. And when that person teaches, the Spirit of God moves in and through that person. And the Spirit of God enlightens the minds of an individual so they know the truth of God. And they are changed by it. They encounter God's truth. They encounter God through the ministry of another who is gifted with the gift of teaching. How about the gift of healings, which I mentioned, and I emphasize the S on the end of that word, healings, spiritually or emotionally or physically or mentally. God wants to bring healing, and sometimes when he wants, well, not sometimes, when he wants that done, he uses somebody with the gift of healings to minister to another person who needs healing, and the Spirit of God works in and through the person. Remember, it's not the person. We don't have the capacity to heal anybody, but we, ha we have the gift, and God works in and through that person so that, that that individual who needs healing gets healed. And I could go on and on and on with these, with these descriptions. One more, just this, this idea of, um, of, uh, of encouragement or exhortation. It's not in this passage, but maybe God wants to sort of encourage someone and sort of push them forward in their faith. How does that get done? Somebody who has the gift of encouragement speaks into the life of that individual. And it's not just mere human words. It is the function of the Spirit of God to use those words in that person so that an individual ends up encouraged. God ministers to them because of the servant who is functioning according to their spiritual gifts. 
You see, my friends, in these instances, God shows up and people encounter the reality of God as they serve and the person serves encounters the reality of God and their hunger for more of God is met, at least in part. It can happen through a, a, a dynamic, spirit-filled prayer life. It can happen as people serve according to their gifts. And in each instance, God has a, a, arranged this, I'm describing it today, arranged this, this partnership whereby he uses us to accomplish significant things for him. It's like in prayer, he says, you ask and I'll do. It's like you serve and I'll act. You serve according to your gifts. I will act. By my spirit, I will move, and I will change this world, and I will change the people of this world, and I'll bring healing, and I'll bring salvation, and I'll bring wisdom, and I'll bring encouragement. I will do what I choose to do through you, my chosen servant. Anybody here have a hunger for more of God? I want you to note this. I'm going to read verse... Um, uh, Chapter 12, verse 1 for you uh, in a minute from the New, Inter New Living Translation. Remember, the New International Version says, I don't, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. I don't want you to be uninformed. Here's what the New Living Translation says. <clears throat> now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know, he wants understanding in the minds of these believers. Look at it in the Message Version. I just thought these... Translations or versions were interesting. What I want to talk about now is the various ways God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. You see, what Paul is saying, you know, obviously in Greek, in the way the Bible, the New Testament was originally written, he's basically saying, I want you people to know about this. I want you to focus about, on this. I want to live your lives according to this. Don't be unaware or uninformed about this dynamic, get it and live it. Allow the, the, the gifts to operate in and through you so that God might move in real and dynamic and in powerful ways. I, and I want to make this too clear before we go on. And I, and I, want, I want to say this clearly and I want to say it with grace. If you were a follower of Jesus, I'm going to take a minute to define this. If you are somebody who has come to believe with all of your heart that Jesus Christ, uh, who lived on planet Earth 2,000 years ago, was indeed the Son of God, and that as he died on the cross, he took to himself your sin and your guilt and your shame, so much so that it's gone. And if you believe that he rose again from the dead and that he ascended to heaven as the Lord of all creation to rule and reign in this thing called the kingdom of God, if you believe with all of your heart that you have come into a relationship with God the Father through Jesus because of faith and because of the forgiveness of sins that is offered and that you are now a child of God and that you have that precious personal relationship with God through Christ, if that's you, let me say this to you. If you truly believe in Christ in those ways, God's intention is to use you in a very spiritual way to get the things done which he wishes to be done in the lives of other people. And he has gifted you with spiritual gifts so that he might accomplish his purposes through you. There is no one who is an exception to that reality. Nobody. You know, if you say I'm a follower of Jesus and think you don't have to serve, well, biblically, that's like... Uh, uh, it's just not on the table. It, it doesn't exist biblically. 
To become a follower of Jesus, a servant of Christ, is to become a servant who serves to do the will of God. To become a follower of Jesus means that your life is no longer about you. You get that, right? I just, it just struck me, probably the religious among us would go, no, I'm going fi- to push back against that one. I'm, I'm not going to buy Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you, your life is now his. <laughs> we die to ourselves that we might live for Christ. And he has enabled us in specific ways in order that we might do the things that God longs to get done. Our life becomes about Jesus and about his kingdom and about his will. And it becomes about serving in the way of his choice. So the passage says. So there are two primary questions I would have you grapple with today and this week maybe. huh? Number one, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Paul writes, I don't want you to be unaware. Do you know what they are? And number two, are you using those gifts to accomplish the will of God, to build up his kingdom, to impact, to allow, if you would, the reality of God's spirit to move through you in significant and powerful ways to impact and to bless the lives of other people? See, my friends, God, he waits. Can I put it that way? Until we yield our lives to him, to serve him according to his purpose and his plan. He waits until we come to that place out of love for God and out of love for other people who so desperately need the reality of God and God's ministry in their lives for us just to come along and say, God, use me. I want to know your presence. I want to know you're working through me. I want to know that my life counts for something because you're making an impact in me. And I want those people <laughs> who need your ministry to experience your presence, your power, your reality, simply because I was willing to serve. You know, we have a dream here. We have a vision. You know, we're going to talk more about that next Sunday, and I'm looking forward to that. But you know what the dream is here? That every single person is serving by using the gifts that God has given and experiencing the movement of the Spirit of God in their lives in significant ways. I want to tell you, my friends, if we could get ourselves to that place, this church would be a powerful church, spiritually powerful church in terms of bringing God's kingdom and bringing incredible blessing into the lives of people. I'm not saying we're not doing it already, but we can get better at this. And we can just, it would just be an incredible thing to encounter and to experience. So I'm going, to, I'm going to address these two questions. Number one, do you know, uh, do you know what your gifts are? Well, I'm going to tell you um, my story. I've told you this, but I don't think for an awfully long time, about how I really discovered what my gifts are, spiritual gifts are. Um, and I'm going to describe two principles that come out of the story. Um, I, I, I'm a little reluctant to tell you about how God in, showed me, God enabled me to understand what my gifts were in terms of being pastorally oriented, because... There may be some people here who could be called into ministry, pastoral ministry, but most of you probably aren't, right? It'd be great if you all were, but it's, it's not likely to happen. But I don't want you to focus so much on the illustration as the principles that arise from the illustration, okay? Let me tell you a little bit of my story. I grew up as a preacher's kid. And the last thing on earth I wanted to do as I moved through my teenage years was to be a pastor. Like, I just did not want it. I wanted to be you. 
I wanted to, to be part of a congregation. I wanted to serve in the church and, and bless the lives of people. I wanted to be caught up in what God was doing in the church, and I wanted to be caught up in what God, what God was doing in the world as well. I wanted to be that living, hopefully sincere, authentic Christian witness in the world that the world so desperately needs of love and of grace. That's what I wanted. Well, I went off to university and I did a degree in history and I ended my years in university and I really, I was one of those guys who really didn't know what he wanted to do. I mean, there are things I could have done and I thought about, but there's no fire in the belly for it, right? Um, so I decided I'm going to go to seminary for a year, you know, where they train pastors, right? <clears throat> And I loved it. I loved biblical studies, and I loved theology, and I just really enjoyed, uh, you know, learning those things. But that year ended, and I still didn't know what I wanted to do, because I'm not going to become a pastor. And I thought, I can't go back for a second year, because that's what people who are going to become pastors do. So I took a job at a camp called Muskoka Woods. I've shared some of that with you before, and it was really cool. It was just for a year. It became many. <laughs> But, but here's a Christian ministry where I could make impact for God and I could, I could build his kingdom and I could influence the lives of kids and, 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 and staff in the summer and all of that good stuff. But I didn't have to be a pastor. So off I went and, and I began working there and summer after summer I just kept at it, you know, year after year, full-time position. And what happened in terms of me discovering what my spiritual gifts were then is that I, what I began to do um, I began to be affirmed in. Having never taken a course in preaching in my life, I began to preach to our staff, 150, 170 people, summer staff, counselors, instructors, etc., etc. And people would be touched by God. Oh, <laughs> that's cool. That's exactly what I'm talking about this morning. God showed up, and it wasn't just Chris Little speaking, it was God's spirit using what he was saying to make an impact in the lives of people. And people told me, Chris, that touched my life. Didn't think much of it, cool, I'm glad, good for you, get back to work, you know? No, I'm kidding. And then I would lead Bible studies, as others did for staff. And God would work. God's truth somehow, through my words, through my ministries, somehow opened up the minds and the hearts of people and they got it in the way they hadn't gotten it before. I even had people come along and say, Chris, could you teach me how to lead a Bible study like that? I was glad about that too, but not much impact in me personally. Nothing happened to change my mind. Often we would sit down and do what we called one-on-ones. And as, as sort of the vice principal of Muskoka Woods, you know, often I would sit down with people who were staff who were not, let's just say, functioning very well. <laughs> You know, like you're one step away from going home and I'm it. <laughs> but you know what? In those moments, I can remember, I'm thinking of, a, of, a, of an instance right now. I was sitting down by, by the lake and I was sitting with this young staff person who worked in our kitchen washing dishes and he was just a bad attitude kind of guy. And I sat there and I spoke with him and I could see in that moment, all of a sudden, he was beginning to open up and to see things differently and he was changed. He was blessed. God's spirit did something in his, in his mind. He came back to me. I went back to Muskoka Woods like five years later just for a visit, and this young guy came up to me, obviously five years older, and he said, thank you for what you did that day. That changed my life. God showed up. God did something. Now, this isn't all about Chris. Chris can't do that. Chris can't change a life, but God's spirit can, and he did that through me that day. 
Here's my point to you. You know, as we serve and as we get affirmed in the things that we are doing, we begin to see what it is that God has gifted us with. And we begin to see the Spirit of God move and we begin to see people encounter the reality of God and they are changed. And by the way, before I go on to principle num num number two, if you see giftedness in the lives of other people in this church, will you affirm it in them? Will you walk up to them and say, you know, I really sense God at work in what you did the other day or just five minutes ago. I see the gift of fill in the blank at work in your life and I'm thankful for it. God did something that day. So principle number one in, 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 in the dis discovery of gifts, yes, you read the scripture about them and the various places that gifts are noted, and yes, you can do gift inventories. Literally, you can go home today and put spiritual gift inventories into your Google search, and, the, and you'll find one, and you can, it'll give you a bit of an idea, but it takes time to figure out what you are actually gifted in. But as you go, as you try various ministries, look for those moments, look for that time when God shows up and you know it, and other people are impacted by him. So discover what your spiritual gifts are by discovering where it is that God shows up as you serve. Principle number two, um, again from my story, I was working at this camp and we had an office in Toronto and I was driving somewhere for the camp, about a half an hour drive as I remember it, and then I had to do something and then I about half an hour back and I was listening to a tape by a seminary professor from a seminary in Chicago. It was about the place of women in ministry. I didn't grow up believing women had a place as pastors and so forth. But in the end, because of this guy's teaching and others, I actually came to believe that is the biblical way. Um, and, and I listened to it on my journey away, and I listened to it off a cassette tape. That shows you how long ago it is. And I listened to it on my journey home, and I had about five or ten minutes left to listen to the teaching tape uh, when I arrived uh, back at the office. So I just sat in my car in the parking lot, and I let it finish. And a thought came to my mind and I know God was in this. And the thought was this. I was fascinated by the teaching. You know, fascinated. And I thought to myself, can you imagine having a job where you study the Bible all the time? And I go, oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> and, and I started to put these different pieces together, the affirmation about pastoral gifts in the summer and, and my deep desire to study scripture and to think about the actual potential of this ministry and how good it would be and how exciting it would be. And, and I began to realize, you know, God has gifted me with gifts that are pastoral, preaching, teaching, counseling, wisdom. Um, See, the second principle, number one is, you know, notice where God is at work. Notice where you're affirmed. Notice when God shows up as you serve. Second principle is this. While it might not be your first thought about what you might want in terms of spiritual gifts, uh, note those places where your heart just comes alive when you're serving and when you desire to serve. Note those places where there's just this resonance in your being because you want that and because it blesses you and it brings you joy. Because that is very likely a place that God has gifted you. A place that God has created you so that he might use you to bring profound impact into the lives of other people. 
Take time with it. Pray it through. My friends, God will reveal to you your spiritual gifts so that you can use them for him. Let me tell you this. You might be serving right now. Many people in our church serve. We've got lots of opportunities for serving, dozens, probably hundreds. You might be serving in a place where you're not gifted right now because you have a good heart and you want to make a difference. If you're not being affirmed, if you're not, if you're not finding the Spirit of God show up, if it's not in your heart of hearts so much that it brings you joy, it's probably time to move on to something different. Our staff probably just freaked out because you know we're about to start a ministry year and everybody's going to leave their ministry. No, don't do that. Take time and do it well. But if you need to move from one position to the next to the next until you find this resonance in your soul and you find God powerfully at work, do it. That's one of the ways we discover how we're gifted by the Spirit. You know, um, we're, we're, we're signing up for small groups again today and, sorry, life groups today and then next Sunday also. Really critical point in the life of our church. You know, this is how we do church. You get that, right? We've got all these groups happening across the county and people doing life together and discovering the truth of Scripture and loving one another and caring for one another when they need to be cared. It is the, ex the experience of church. It's a microcosm of church, right? That is what church is. And then all these little groups come together on a Sunday morning and we just celebrate God as one large body. Don't think church is anything other than both of those realities. And if I had to put my weight on one as opposed to the other, although both are part of the reality, I would put my weight on small groups. Jesus says we're two or three gathered together in my midst. There I am in the middle of them. So critically important. You know what, you know what we're going to be teaching and, and, and encouraging and, and what we envision for the future is that everybody in those life groups knows their spiritual gift and uses their spiritual gift as part of their life group experience. So the leaders who are gifted with leadership lead and the teachers who are gifted with teaching teach. And the mercy gifted people are the ones who care for the broken and the hurting and the needy at the time, although everybody can, of course. And the people with the gift of intercession, they're the people who pray and God's spirit moves powerfully. And the people with the gift of evangelism, they lead the group out into the world because they've got the heart to do it. Other people might not even think about it because they're not gifted that way. So my friends, as you sign up, get into those groups and let those groups, let the life of those groups be, term, be determined by spiritual gifts. Um, and then here too, IPC, ministries that happen here. You know, I, I said I'd go back to that the gifts are given by the Spirit for the common good. Why are the gifts given? For the common good. Um, another place it says the gifts of the Spirit are given to, for the building up of the body the body of Christ. Why are, the, why are the gifts given? For the building up of the body. They are given so that this church might thrive. This church might be encountering God all the time. People might be experiencing God's wisdom and his, and his, his teaching and, 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 and his encouragement and all those sorts of things. So serve here. Serve in the world. Serve in your life group. Serve here. And allow God to use you in powerful ways. I'm going to tell you something now. And the last thing I want you to think is that I preached this sermon in order to recruit. Because it's not. The reason I preached my, this sermon is because I want you to encounter God. And I want you to experience God at work through you. But right now, we need nine more people in children's ministry for it to function well. Nine. That's a lot of people. Right now in youth ministry, you know how many people we have signed up to help? Come on, guess. Well, I'll tell you, it's three. 
two youth groups, lots of kids. And we get a poor youth pastor who's saying, please help me. <laughs> you know? Uh, downtown, Tuesday night is great. We get tons of people running at that, baby. Saturday night where we have a meal and we love the disadvantage, we, we need way more people there. We need people uh, to, more musicians to come to the plate. Did you notice who was playing the drums this morning? It was a, t a track. <laughs> we need some drummers and we need, you know, we, we, there's such opportunity. I want to tell you, my friends, um, and, and hospitality, I don't want to leave that one out, and so forth. There is just, you see, what we are <laughs> is a group of people who are gifted to serve. We are gifted to build one another up in faith. We are gifted to serve in the community. We are gifted by God to do his will, and he will show up, and he will move in power if we serve according to his, the gifts that he has given to us. And this morning, I'm inviting you into that. I'm just saying, let's make it happen, people. Let's discover the reality of the power of God together by serving in the way of his design. I want to wind down by, by the couple of, of couple of points. Um, tell you a little story about my holidays. It's up in the Perry Sound area, you know, the Canadian Shield. Uh, this is four weeks ago yesterday. It happened the last day of my first holiday break. Uh, it had just rained. I was walking along the shore. Now, you've all heard about how the water levels in the Great Lakes have risen quite substantially. Where the shoreline was like this, it's now like this. So I was walking along the shore, you know, a pair of old sandals, which proved to be quite a mistake. And, uh, you know, I was walking in this place, and right below me there's this kind of big crevice with a big boulder in the middle. You know where I'm going? <laughs> I'm going down there. So my feet went out from under me, and I fell backwards, and I sprained my wrist, you know, as I went back. And there were a bunch of ro bigger rocks here. I kind of bounced off them, but I landed 208 pounds of pure muscle <laughs> right here on that big boulder. So like, oh yeah, thank you for the pity and the sympathy. <laughs> so I, you know, I was not in a good place. <laughs> I was in a bad place. So I ended up in the hospital. I thought, I, I think I've broken these ribs. And I had x-rays, and I came home at 2 o'clock that night, you know, the whole thing, right? But the doctor said to me, then, can't see a break, but if you're better in two weeks, they're bruised. If you're better in six weeks, they're broken. <laughs> he said, we can't do anything for you anyway, just go home. You know, you might want to wrap it. Here, here are some very strong drugs. <laughs> which helped. Um, as of four weeks yesterday, they weren't better. I still can't sleep on my left side. You know, more pity, please. You know, it's like, oh. So, you know, I was working in my backyard yesterday. Remember I told you I built a fence, and it's a really good fence? Anybody remember that? Okay, well, I did, and I'm still <laughs> proud of it. But I had to cut the top of the posts off, the, the fence posts. So I had a, I had a circular saw, and I'm kind of twisting because one's behind a shed, and... I'm going, oh, that's not, that doesn't feel good. And then I was doing more work over here, putting fence boards on the side. And I leaned down for something, and something shifted. Glenn, the chiropractor of my congregation, you'll understand all of this. Something shifted, and I just said, Heather, I, I can't go on. I can't, I can't do this. So I had to go in and lie down and take some more of those really strong drugs. Uh, didn't sleep very well last night, get up this morning, and it's just aching, and I sat at my kitchen table as I do early on. I read my sermon, I mark it up, and I pray, and I said, God, Jesus, I need you to strengthen me for this task today, and I pray that you'll take the pain away when I preach, because this is what I believe you've gifted me to do. 
I can honestly say I didn't think about the pain until I note, noted the notes on my page just now. So not only has God answered my prayer, like he really has answered my prayer. And I asked the prayer team to pray for me this before the service as well. Um, but I hope he's allowed me to exercise my gifts in a way that you have encountered him and his truth. See, here's a vision for IPC. Do you understand it? Don't apply it just to pastors. This is for everybody here. God will use you significantly to make an impact in this world if you discover your gifts and use them. He will show up. Your hunger for God, if you have it, will be satisfied. Because you'll see God real and alive at work in and through you. And people will be blessed. They will be changed. And the kingdom of God will emerge in greater measure. And the vision, honestly, is for everybody here. We'd love everybody here instead in life groups. We'd love everybody to be serving according to their gifts for the sake of God and his glory. So I've painted this picture for you, if you would, for this fall and for your life. And I very simply today want to invite you into something that God has for you. Um, a place of significance, a place of impact, a place of joy, joy, as you see God use you um, to minister, that he might minister in the lives of other people. You know what I feel led to do today? Um, we're going to pray. I, I, don't, I don't do this uncommonly, double negative, I know. I do this often. But I, I want to open in prayer, and I just want to give you a minute to sit with the Lord in this. Would you do that? Just listen to what he might say to you. Um, is there anything in your heart you maybe feel called to, whether it's what I've listed or otherwise? Um, is there something that you're sensing of God uh, in terms of his leading in your experience right now? And are you willing to give yourself to fulfilling his will in your life as he has designed you according to your giftedness. Um, some people might say, well, no, I'm not there. That's fair. I hope you'll get there, but just be honest with God about that. But some of you might be saying, Lord, I want to serve you. I want you to show up in my life and move through me and touch the lives of other people. And your prayer might simply be, God, please show me what my spiritual gifts are. You can pray that prayer. And if it's something like, hey, it's, I know what you want me to do, I'm going to ask our staff to go in the atrium. You'll be signing up for life groups. They're going to be there. If you feel led to children's ministry, men's ministry, downtown ministry, hospitality, whatever it is, just go and talk to them now if God is touching your life to that end. And we together, we together will encounter the reality of God in this church. We together, <laughs> we who are hungry for God, We'll see him at work in new and powerful and beautiful ways. Let's pray. Lord, it is an absolutely remarkable thing that every follower of Jesus gathered here today, and even those of us who aren't here today because of holidays and so forth, Lord, every single one of us can be used in a significant way by your Holy Spirit. You will work through us to bring your kingdom, to bless the lives of other people, to accomplish your purposes in the lives of others.
So, Lord, we take a moment now in the stillness of this place, a quiet place with you. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you will speak into the lives of your people in that still, small voice. Lead their thinking to be your thinking. And, Lord, um, just guide them, Lord, as, as they get honest with you in this and as they, Lord, uh, maybe make some decisions about what to do. So, Lord, I pray that now you will meet us here individually in the quietness and the stillness of this place, that we might know your will and that we might yield our lives as servants of Christ.